Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast. Your week in what? Sports cars, Graham Goodwin. <laughs> we are recording this one hour and 20 minutes after Ooh. I consider it to be a very unfortunate piece of news has been disseminated to the world. We're going to get into that first. After that, we will get into the fine questions assembled by our friend Daniel Summersgill. The questions y'all have sent in for this week's episode. Thank you, Graham. And thank you, Stephen Kilby, RJ O'Connell, Oliver Gavin. Oliver Gavin. Um, Your your dogs, your cats, your neighbors. Thanks to everyone who helped deputize for me having lost pretty much the entire month of February to a wicked weapons grade stomach virus <laughs> and a bacterial infection that fired off, which I'm still fighting. So I am doing my best to fake the uh, belief that I have energy to offer. I don't have a ton, but I'm doing my best here. So thank you to you, my brother. It f- I will be totally frank it feels strange to be doing an intro for our own damn show because it's been a while since i've done that but let me say final set of thank yous but a massive set of thank yous to my wife who took care of me the entire month i've been taking care of her for a couple of years now amazing for her to be at a point as she continues to make great progress and we're not done we're not we're not clear but she continues to make amazing progress in uh, her fight and our fight against breast cancer and also the mobility challenges which really upended our world at the same time as the uh, uh, cancer fights going on she has made strides graham like never before so again we're not done we're not out of the woods yet but there's a little bit of a question mark lingering in my voice with that statement because it feels like a couple months from now, later in the, I don't know when, but it feels like we could be in the general realm of maybe putting some or all of these four-year-plus challenges uh, in the rearview mirror. So again, no uh, no major so. revelations to so. offer, just positivity. The things continue to go so incredibly well, and just so thankful to her for taking care of me. And then our partners, our friends, the folks who do indeed make this podcast possible, that being Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. I've gotten to see our man, Derek Costco, mm-hmm. owner, purveyor, Ooh. creator of goodies at TorontoMotorsports.com, motorsports memorabilia. You and I saw him at Daytona, and I got to see yep. him last weekend in St. Petersburg. Got to see quite Chris weekend Pantani. Quite weekend at St. Peter. Right. Got to see Chris Pantani, who's the head of uh, all the Cooper Tires activation and racing that they do, supporting USF championships here, presented by Cooper Tires, and also saw our, our beloved friend Ed Justice Jr., while we were at Daytona. So all three of our key show partners, we've been able to give them a hug and intermingle and hand out some, uh, uh, Prude hard cards as well. So, uh, <laughs> it's been a, a good old rollicking time, but, um, 
my brother Graham, tell us how you're doing quickly, and then uh, uh, let's start the show. Yeah, well, I leave tomorrow morning for uh, for Sebring for the uh, FIWC Prologue, which comes uh, obviously the weekend before Super Sebring uh, Race Week. It is a um, snowy day here, uh, just south of London, which is horrible news for absolutely everybody apart from the Husky, who absolutely loves it, just lights up uh, when the snow uh, comes down, but it is bitterly cold um, today. But uh, aside from that, lots and lots and lots going on. It's been a busy old week, and as you quite rightly say, MP, we're going to move into pretty seamlessly the announcement of almost literally the moment. Uh, but there is just acres and acres and acres of news kicking around. Uh, but I'll kick it off with um, confirmation of what we said on last week's special, which is we do have Stephen Kilby back full-time uh, in the house, and uh, you and he will be sharing space uh, with me in the press room until midweek next week uh, when I'll move over to the TV compound uh, for my duties with the WEC. But uh, we are getting the band back together. Well, I will play um, the electric harp. So <laughs> how's that? Uh, it's going to be the most disappointing band ever, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, hey, had to write some news now yeah almost an hour and a half ago um for what i filed the uh the story wasn't the headline that was filed but just uh for what was sent um little thing called rolex 24 winners penalized mm. where should we start here brother graham because it's not that this is a point of sensitivity and no we need to no. tread light no talk totally open honest transparent as we always do full bore you name it where should we start though because this this i think struck both of us forget the reporter side of you and i mm -hmm. i think this struck the two of us with just great disappointment Stop. yes yeah that's 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 nailed it is a straight answer i mean the the whole week of um the relics 24 was just it was a joyful time to be in that paddock and that race was a great race and the result was a great result and yeah disappointment it, it, there's another word it's kind of tarnished it a bit and I, I guess first things first mp it might be worth you just explaining to the listeners we, can, we can't presume that they've read what you've written on racer.com or what i've written on dillysportsco.com um about what exactly happened and why this is such a big deal. Give you the very brief what it is, and then I'll get into the why it's a big deal part. Meyershank Racing, overall winners of the Rolex 24 at Daytona in January in the brand-new GTP class with their mighty fine Areca-built Acura RX 06 GTP chassis won the race overall Wayne Taylor racing stable mate of the two factory Acura GTP cars finished second. So a grand one, two finish for Acura, the facilitators behind this program, Graham, for those who may not know, obviously Meyer shank racing, running one car, Wayne Taylor racing, running the other 
all of this facilitated primarily through Honda performance development. That being Honda's factory racing arm and house based in and around Los Angeles, California. For those who happen to watch the race, for those who watch qualifying, for those who watch pretty much any session of all the vehicles in the GTP class, that number 60 Meyershank Racing Acura stood out. Wow, that car was fast. Faster than its stablemate. Also a little bit of a surprise. In the ruling passed down by IMSA, just again about an hour and a half ago, the number 60 Meyershank Racing has had 200 points taken away. Um, team and out driver of points. Up to 350, correct? Um, I believe so. It, if you subtract the 200 from their tally, it moves them to last place yeah. in the standings. Loss of all team and driver, IMSA Michelin Endurance Cup points. Loss of prize money, $50,000 fine. Team and entrant representative Michael Shank placed on probation through June 30th, 2023. Revocation of IMSA annual credential and indefinite suspension of IMSA membership for team engineer Ryan McCarthy. Six levels of penalty for what? Data manipulation. Might sound like a little bit of a weird thing. Hey, okay, so somebody typed a wrong number or two into something in a spreadsheet or went into the car somehow and that didn't comply with things? No. This is where things get disappointing. Rule in IMSA. This is found in other racing series in the world as well, but there's a specific rule here in IMSA. Michelin, official tire provider, for the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship Series. Here they have guidelines of minimum tire pressure in particular. Rarely do you get folks really heavily policing maximum tire pressure. Why? And again, I don't want to get too deep into the woods on race engineering stuff, Graham, but overinflating the tires would not really be a thing that anyone in road racing would try and do. If we were doing oval racing, now there would be an advantage to trying to go too high or past a inflation maximum number set by a tire provider. But we're not doing oval racing with these cars. We're doing road racing. And here, Michelin has said, this is the minimum pressure you are allowed to run your tires at. Any lower, and there are concerns that we could overheat them, we could have a tire sidewall failure, right? They're meant to be inflated to this minimum number, PSI, bar, whatever form of measurement you want. But they're meant to be inflated to this minimum number from a safety for a strict safety reason. Anything less, we can't guarantee if we won't start having failures. Here's the fact to know. This is why we're going to get into the data manipulation and why this was a very heavy penalty, although it did not come with the forfeiture of the victory. Running your tires a little bit lower uh, than the prescribed minimum, if there's a feeling that the minimum set by the manufacturer, Graham, 
it's a little bit higher than optimal. Hey, you know, I'm just I'm making up a number. Let's say they say 30 PSI is the minimum number for all four tires. Again, I'm kind of going out of reality here, but we'll just go with a very simple minimum is 30.0 can go no lower. 29.9 PSI. Okay, you might dip down there for a brief moment, but you better not run the entire stint at 29.9 or you've run afoul of our minimum pressure regulation. If a manufacturer, and this happens, says, okay, for this event, the minimum PSI number is this, and teams are kind of thinking, hey, gosh, that's a little higher than we really want. We would have better performance if it was just one, one and a half, two PSI lower. You might see why someone would think, huh, by rule, IMSA needs to see that we're running 30.0 minimum and no lower. But what if we were able to manipulate the data, game the system, and actually run it, run them at, again, I'm making up just a theoretical number, 29 PSI, 28 PSI, 28 and a half, whatever. What if we were able to go in and apply a data offset that as telemetry is streaming out of the car from those four TPMS monitors, sensors, tire pressure monitoring system. Most of us, if you have a modern car, you've got the same thing attached to all four wheels of your car. Every single wheel used in the WeatherTech Championship, Sports Car Championship has these same exact sensors fitted. They are talking constantly a zillion times a second to the master data system on the car. And that data is then streamed live through telemetry seen by the team on pit lane, seen by IMSA and its technical staff. What if we were able to run one, two, whatever amount of pounds low, gain a performance advantage, yet we're able to manipulate the datagram to give a completely false number giving the false impression that we were in compliance this is exactly what Meyershank racing has been accused of doing and judged to have done by imsa where this gets even more interesting and it's the one aspect of this graham uh, as I'm going to hand this off to you or hand this back to you, the one aspect of this that impresses me mightily is where did this call it what it is cheating? Where did this revelation come from? Was it yeah. IMSA's technical team pouring through the raw data? acquired from all cars after the race during the race etc and after the rolex 24 after the unofficial results went out after the results were then made official sometime after that happened to see hey wait a minute the raw data says again 28 psi but telemetry data says 30 was this imsa finding this first no Honda Performance Development 
company that pays its factory teams to represent them in IMSA and wherever else they compete. HPD effectively self-reported a da- that data manipulation, which they found. That brother, if I did not already have massive esteem, David Salters, HPD president, Kelvin Fu, v, uh, VP, and all the fine folks who work there, if I didn't already have massive respect for them, the fact that they didn't wait and hope no one would pick up on this, the fact that they went to IMSA and said, hey, this isn't us. We didn't do this, but we need to let you know we have found in our review of data that one of our teams appears to have done something that contravenes the rules. I haven't had a chance to speak with Mike Shank yet. We've texted. Uh, I'm not. I'm only sharing what IMSA has re- reported. If there's any other shades to this to correct or that are inaccurate, I'm hoping he would share that with us. So I'm not mm-hmm. trying to convict him in any way. We're just sharing the news and information of what's come down. But HPD reported they found a data manipulation and the reason a team would perform this specific data manipulation, Graham, is because there is a performance advantage to be had by running tire pressures below the minimum number set by Michelin. If teams collectively, even a team individually, thought, boy, we feel like you're setting that number too high. If only there was a way to run a little bit lower, we would actually be in the perfect target range for speed. Boy, that number 60 car sure was fast at the Rolex 24, my brother. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it is, it's disappointing, but extraordinary from uh, HPD. And I mean that extraordinary in a positive and sporting fashion. Uh, I will add one more question to the mix here, um, because in the responses that we've seen from uh, your readers, my readers, uh, the big question is, it is like, you know extreme penalties. Um, is it but though? It does, yeah, but it does fall short of the team losing the win, and that I think has surprised a, a rather large number of people. I mean, here's the thing: it is not the first time that we've had a car that has won the Rolex Twenty Four being adjudged to be significantly outside the rules after the flag. Am I right? In remembering back in the DP days, there was, I think, a Ganassi Riley that was found to be substantially underweight, uh, but kept the win and lost points. I, I, I think it's, there is a cultural thing here, uh, which is that I know it, it, it comes from the kind of the, if you like, the the NASCAR family. The fans deserve to see the car that crosses the line is the winner, um, but. Two quick things yeah. to add here because it just it builds on what you've mentioned. Can't ignore that IMSA is owned by NASCAR. Being owned by NASCAR isn't obviously it's not a bad thing. There's no implied oh. negative to that, but there is history with handling of similar things. We can draw back to NASCAR. Mm-hmm. If we think of NASCAR, the NASCAR Cup Series. There have been numerous cars in recent years and years before that win the race, whether it's that same night, days after, hey, that car was 
found to not be in technical compliance slash it was illegal was the car illegal through intent the team did something to intentionally try and gain performance and run outside of the rules or was it truly oops you know uh we we made a mistake and that's why that happened again did something come loose that shouldn't and the engine had more horsepower again a variety of of reasons for nascar race winners to have been air quote disqualified after the race but there's no removal of the race win that has been a nascar policy for a long time hey you just won the daytona 500 their biggest race and hey they found in post-race technical inspection this thing or that thing wrong illegal whatever it is well you're going to lose points you're going to lose some money some folks are going to be um suspended or whatever uh but they don't take your name off the trophy nor do they erase it from the proverbial history books this move in the nascar owned imsa weathertech sports car championship series of the overall race winning car being found to have done things that align with cheating to not have the win taken away, but to have big points, $50,000 doesn't, it's not a lot of money in what teams are spending, manufacturers are spending per entry. Uh, Shank being put on probation, race engineer having basically their IMSA membership revoked and suspended indefinitely. Um, these are some pretty heavy penalties without the one that I have to admit, it doesn't seem right to me to do something like this, gain a clear performance advantage when IMSA's version of the Daytona 500 or Super Bowl or whatever the biggest thing in the world might be for this series mm-hmm still get to keep their name on the trophy um that i will never agree with it's nothing new my take on that graham is nothing new with this specific thing i've felt that way for a long time and i've disagreed with how that's been done for a long time so there's that and then there's just one other quick thing to mention learned about this after uh my story went up and i think everyone's story went up data systems on Mm -hmm. the gtp cars they're pretty straightforward they're not really open for manipulation the tpms system however is the one thing that is outside of that can't monkey with it can't mess with it uh design you can as evidenced by what we're discussing right now go in and apply a offset that says whatever raw number the tpms system is reporting add again two psi to that one psi three psi whatever it is i'm told within the data system it's really the one major component one major member of that data family data system family where people could if desired go in and create a false output 
across telemetry. And so that's what's happened here. I would say my brother today, March 8th, Wednesday, knowing that the GTP field is going to be loading into the paddock at Sebring seven days from now, the morning of next Wednesday or whatever it is, I would not expect IMSA to have a complete set of nine or eight or whatever the number is for the entry list in GTP. I don't think we're going to have a fix to this in place for Sebring, but I would bet you a fix has been commissioned um, mm-hmm. that will, as soon as possible, remove any possibility for anyone to uh, do some tappity tapping on a keyboard and uh, apply offsets to future TPMS outputs. Yeah. <sighs> Disappointing. Should we move on? Because it is really disappointing. I think we move on to, to, to other things. And um, I agree. Well, oddly enough, it's another one that's, that's a bit of an enigma. It's another IMSA story uh, next up. And it's uh, a number of our questions have come on the general subject of the new Porsche GT3, the 992, Type 992, 911 GT3R, which uh, many of you remembered, um, underperformed pretty dramatically 992.2 is that is no, that the correct no, no it's 991.2 is the last sorry, one this is sorry, 992 sorry. got it so got it's the got first it. gt3 car on the new porsche 992 platform um so it's the same platform as the current cup car if you like yes uh but underperformed and it's fair to say that there's a tsunami of criticism heading the way of imsa on the choices they had made for balance of performance. And it's fair to say that those uh, criticisms got a reasonable amount of amplification from some of our colleagues. And it's fair to say that I've kept my powder dry on this, and I've kept my powder dry on this one, MP, for one principal reason. And It's because IMSA, we can reveal, hired (laughs) you months ago to do its GTD BOP. And you have failed massively, Graham Goodwin. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not the first time. Hashtag the last. breaking exclusive scoop. Hashtag Goodwin's <laughs> fault. Bop. Um, I, 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 listeners to this podcast will not be unaware of my frustration with the way in which BOP is dealt with amongst a number of our media colleagues. And again, I got that that feeling that there was something more going on at Daytona. So there was little or nothing written by us other than saying that the cars were indeed off the pace. Um, I did sit down with a number of people at Daytona, and I was hearing pretty much the same things from everybody, professional drivers, professional drivers with or without an axe to grind with Porsche, um, team managers, engineers, uh, gentlemen drivers who are for the most part footing the bill. And I will tell you, MP, the conversations I've had either face-to-face, by telephone, or electronically through uh, messaging and email have covered off the vast majority of the seven-car field that were um, at Daytona for the 992. And what they were saying were there was some weirdness going on here, that, yes, they do think that the balance of performance they were given was uh, was not uh, as as it should have been, but there's that they're not happy 
with the package as it was presented to them on track um, at Daytona with their brand new cars. And there are some questions to be answered and, and in the process of asking those questions that uh, that's continued through this week. It'll continue through to a couple of conversations at Daytona. Now, I'm not ready to, to kind of um, to, to, to yet reveal exactly what has been laid in front of me. Um, and by the way, not one single iota of it has come from a single source. It's come from multiple sources, all saying much the same things. So there's going to need to be an explanation as to why um, what we're hearing is being experienced by more than one team and more than one driver and drivers of very different abilities uh, as well. So why why don't I throw one or two things in? Which go for we, it. We've mentioned... We mentioned in and around Daytona, so yep. some of this, we've already covered a little bit of it, but maybe this would just bring home a slightly finer point, because I think I haven't seen BOP for Sebring. I, admittedly, if it's out, I've missed Granted, it's been a busy morning, but um, I haven't seen BOP for uh, Sebring, so I can't tell you if there's mm-hmm. been a big help or not given to uh, the Porsche uh, GTD entries, but the answer is, by the way, as we go to uh, to record this, we've not yet seen GTD. We have seen GTP, but not GTD. Gotcha. Um, Porsches, very, very slow. In December testing, mm-hmm. I was there for that. Yep. Saw the uh, attempts to get data on that, the new Ferrari, the, the new Evo Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. Porsche, very slow spoke with um the faf team while there didn't get a chance to really do a super dive but uh, know the folks there trust and believe those folks they're canadian how could they lie they're <laughs> genetically incapable of lying for no, folks who are so about. readily consumed by bears that's yep. what you would expect they say sorry um, a lot, even if it's yeah, not their fault. Suri, yeah. yes, yes. Suri. It's kind of, sorry. yeah. They say Suri, and unfortunately their Apple phones pick up all the yes. time. Because anyway, yeah. Um, they were very straightforward in saying, look, you can think we're monkeying around and trying to manipulate stuff and whatever. We're not. Uh, we're, we're giving it our all, and our all is way, way far from where anyone wants it to be. IMSA, based on what we saw on the Roar BOP, was disinclined to believe. Yeah. Gotcha. Had the Roar, had qualifying, and the Porsches were all better and super fast in iRacing. Just not at actual real-world competition at Daytona. Super way the heck off. More Porsche teams there, obviously, than what we had in the lone rep at that Daytona BOP te- uh, December BOP thing, pretty much have all the Porsche teams saying, "Hi, see the number of how of of our lap times, and then see the number of the other cars in the class and their lap times." Um, yeah, there there's a lot of numbers uh, between us and them, and we want some of those numbers to go away so we could be just as quick as them. To which IMSA more or less said, "Nah." Still don't believe you. You guys are trying to game us, trying to monkey around. Go into the race, and what happens, Graham? Uh, 24 hours of 
there there almost needs to be a separate like we should have just busted out the old gtc class strictly for porsches like we had back (laughs) in the alms days because all of the porsches were more or less equally slow equally uncompetitive and had miserable events ones that they some were more vocal than others but the collective point was we just spent a lot of money to come and do this we just had whether it's sponsors contributing or gentle person drivers paying to do this we just spent a lot of money and everyone is leaving here pissed feeling like they wasted money so i just mentioned this and or recover all this stuff again for one reason i did not disbelieve what i was told in december we saw evidence of the lack of collective speed at the roar Mm-hmm. We saw 24 hours of exactly what we were told was happening with a lack of speed in December, carried it all the way through to the checkered flag. IMSA the whole time saying, we don't believe you. Um, I don't see any way whenever BOP for GTD comes out for IMSA to maintain that stance not changing mm-hmm. anything, not giving you anything. Uh, I have to believe, A, there will be some significant, decent, meaningful, whatever it is, some pretty solid changes to the Porsche BOP to bring the cars into a higher state of competitiveness. But I think the, the takeaway we have to make here, Graham is they weren't lying but if they weren't lying it would also suggest the base brand new gt3 model way far out of where it was expected to land among the other cars meaning hey we don't need we're not missing a tenth of a second to be competitive no we're way out of the ballpark so while you could maybe start to think, or if you wanted, if you were sympathetic to IMSA's approach, I could see Graham how IMSA would be like, "Nah, man, nah, money. <laughs> yeah, there's no way you're this slow. You guys are playing some sort of crazy game," because it made no sense. None of <laughs> us would think of Porsche with all of the amazing history and provenance of the 911 GT3R model all the different 9.9 whatevers, none of us could conceive that this brand new in 2023 with all the simulation stuff and all the high-tech, right, all the tools to make this latest new model right there a contender with all the other GT3 cars. None of us could fathom that it wouldn't be right there. What did we learn? It was nowhere near. IMSA clearly said, this can't be, this can't be, accurate there has to be some manipulation going on i think we just need to acknowledge if and whatever we end up seeing in the sebring bop is probably i would think going to be a significant degree of help because i don't think this car in its base form would be anywhere close to the others without getting some quote extra help 
to be competitive until Porsche can redevelop, re I don't know what it is, but this car is, to our great surprise, apparently way out of the window. I think this is the point. I mean, our questioners uh, here, and you know, they're, they're perfectly legitimate questions. Um, if and when you see what the Porsche has dealt for Sebring, I, I agree with absolutely everything you've just said. It is not an admission of guilt from IMSA to say, we got this dog wrong in terms of what we're dealing with. They were dealing a BOP against a car that they would have expected to be in the ballpark of the car that replaced. And everything I'm hearing um, is that that simply is not the case. And there's a lot of questions to be asked and answered. And we're not going to make any field any specifics here. But there's a lot of progress that is going to need to be made. And that is going to be a long, hard road. Now, we've already seen one of the two right motorsport cars, Ryan Hardwick's car, stepping back from full season to uh, just the Michelin Endurance Cup uh, on the back of this. Uh, there are others that I've, I'm not talking to them. They're talking to me. They're coming to me with the with these stories. And, um, you know, there is still pretty deep unhappiness with not just one more, but more than one more team um, in those seven cars uh, that presented themselves at the Rolex 24 Daytona. This is where a partnership between a, a race organizer, sanctioning body, a manufacturer and their customers, and that's all too often the bit that's often forgotten in these debates, needs to be high-functioning right now, right now. They need to hit the ground running at Sebring with uh, values that allow that, that those cars to at least find pace. But everybody needs to take the truth pill here and get real. Um, I'm simply not going to be told that the multiple, multiple people who have repeated to me remarkably similar uh, accounts of the behavior of their brand new cars are all collectively mistaken. Should we put it that way? We're not talking people who don't know what they're doing with uh, GT cars and GT3 cars and Rolex 24 hours at Daytona. We're not talking about that at all. We're talking about people who've had real success there. So what I want to hear when I hit the ground uh, in Sebring and with the conversations I've already timetabled with uh, with a number of people involved in the, co in the, the points we're now making is a degree of realism here. Um, no one likes being treated as if they're stupid. You know, there's hmm. a level at which I yeah. am. You welcome know, but, to welcome but, to 52 years of my life where folks look at me like, well, oh dear me. At least on International Women's it. Day, I think this is the day where we all put our hands up and say, yeah, 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 we're those other guys. Um, yeah, um, let's see what comes out of Sebring with this, but I do expect there to be a pretty mighty leg up given by IMSA for those cars, but I would be unhappy to see that reflected in the common parlance as a reflection that IMSA in some way failed this. This is not a let's pile on to one part of this debate. Um, everybody's got a part to play in making these things work, and IMSA, I know... You know, I've got a fine record with their BOP yeah. down through the years, which is why this is such a surprise MP. No, I mean, but also I, a fine. 
a fine just, record of doing the best they can oh, for their partners. No, I was just going to say, I, I'm fine. And I don't say this with any glee or happiness or whatever, but no, I'm, I'm happy and, or I'm fine saying this was 100% failure on both sides. Porsche failed clearly to produce a new model that was anywhere near the performance that was expected. IMSA failed to either recognize that or believe them. And again, I'm not saying fail in some kind of, I'm being mean and judgy. I'm just saying we got to say what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not, <laughs> how's this? If this new Porsche was a rocket and IMSA truly failed and harshly BOP'd them and the car's uncompetitive strictly because of them, super easy to fix. Hey, sorry. Uh, we choked, choked you down. We're just going to release our grip a little bit. Boom. You're going to be right there. Everybody watch out. I don't think that's going to be the case again. I I can't wait to see the BOP numbers, but my guess is folks are going to be going, Whoa, you got that kind of restrictor. Oh, okay. Or, you know, weight wise. Oh, you got that. Like, I I think there's going to be some pretty decent concessions because in order for this car to be competitive now, I think there's going to have to be, uh, some X, some added help from the series to get it there. What I, what I'm not fully clear on, and maybe I'll learn, maybe I won't. What goes on between Porsche and IMSA on allowing Porsche to go back and take another swing at addressing whatever areas are believed to be deficient. I won't get into all of the specifics, but Hey, no manufacturer is happy when they come up short. And their rivals are certainly not happy. IMSA, if they do end up giving an extra portion of speed to Porsche to help them to be competitive, what's then going to happen? Is it going to be rejoicing throughout GTD Pro and GTD? No. You know IMSA is going to get a call from every other manufacturer saying, what the hell? We had to show up yeah. with something good. What, you, why are you helping them? Make them go spend their money and get better like we had. So, again, none of this stuff leads to happiness, man. It just leads to less grumpiness, <laughs> if that's even a thing. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm pulling this stuff out of my ass, but you know, we're, you kind of knew that from the beginning. We, we've got uh, moving on, yeah. Uh, and actually, oddly enough, sort of circling back around uh, for a couple of questions here on the subject of Acura and questions from Chad Donahue and from Thomas Hill. Uh, Chad says, "What's going on with the Acura, Acura teams?" Uh, when will they be making their Le Mans debut? I'll come back to that in a moment. And Thomas says, will IMSA be given multiple automatic invitations for the hypercar category with Action Express filling it this year? How will the likes of Acura apply for Le Mans in future without needing to run WC full-time? So the answer is um, Acura can't. Uh, you have to have a full-season hypercar program uh, to be allowed to enter the 24 hours of Le Mans. And that's been the case from the start. And it remains that case and was reinforced the last time I asked the powers that be. And that was just a couple of three weeks ago. So what's the answer? Uh, well, what we do know, and I think you were in this, the room when I was uh, MP, when we heard from Michael Andretti and Wayne Taylor, uh, who were talking uh, about the potential for this new combined effort 
to increase their commitment with the GTP platform, by which I think we're expecting two cars in IMSA, correct? Yep, we're expecting next year a second Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti Sport Acura. And I don't yet have a feel, though, as to whether we would see uh, an additional Acura. I don't know if Meyer Shank Racing would expand to two quite yet, but could there be another? I don't know. Well, I mean, the the, the other thing that's uh, talking to, I think it was Wayne I chatted to post that, there's no doubt in my mind, look, Le Mans is, is one of the places they want to be, and it's, it's a massive drawer, of course. To do that, they would have to race in the WEC. To race in the WEC, it would not be accurate. It would be Honda. And that brings with it some additional um, hurdles to be dealt with. But what do I think? I think we could well be seeing an expansion of that effort onto the global stage quite when i think is open to speculation but little doubt in my mind that they are an evaluation and i'm sure conversation with honda in japan because that's what it would require um shall we so announce the uh the four car factory <laughs> elms team coming next year should we keep it that would one be secret? lovely wouldn't it uh michelin lamar cup as well uh <laughs> we've got six car six arx 05s sixes but, sorry but but what we what we can say is this if they enter a single Honda in the WEC, they can then request a second Honda, um, which could, of course, be a rebadged Acura, uh, in exactly the same way as the Cadillac Racing team did uh, this year, successfully bringing across the full-season IMSA car to join the full-season WEC singleton. And, um, you know, as Thomas actually says, uh, Action Express will fill one of the currently three uh, automatic invitations that go to IMSA. Two of those filled at the moment by um, the successful GTD and LMP2 gentleman racers, uh, because it's unique that those uh, invitations go to a person and not to a team. The third one is an automatic invitation that uh, the uh, that IMSA can decide where that goes in this instance it has indeed gone to action express racing does that mean that there'll be three auto hypercar entries in the future no i don't think it does um it's going to be interesting one to see how that goes i think uh, the aspiration certainly from the aco is that it continues to basically help both a gt driver and lmp2 driver to join the 24 hours of Le Mans grid because that's what the lad is supposed to be about um but any manufacturer that enters at least one car for the full season of the WEC can request another car. Porsche did it with Penske car this year successfully. Um, the Glickenhaus uh, team did it, and so too did Cadillac Racing. That's the way that rule is supposed to work. To get that privilege, they've got to enter the FIA WEC. And... I can hear some of the wailing and gnashing of teeth that goes with this. It's no different from very many other major events which are typically oversubscribed. And I lay in front of the court of public opinion exactly what happened at the Rolex 24 Hours of Daytona this very year, where a number of cars from high-profile teams did not get the nod because they were not entered for the full season. And, you know, that meant that a GTD Pro car didn't get in. It meant that a championship winning LMP2 car 
didn't get in. Why? Because they'd not committed to the championship of which this race was a part. It's exactly the same thing. That's as much as I've got to say on that one. What else we got, MP? Well, one thing we have is not a lot of time left. So uh, <laughs> shall we pick, parse, and otherwise, uh, let's see, Ed Joris asking about methods IMSA uses, will be using for GTP BOP. Mm-hmm. I aim, intend, and hope for that to be the subject of, they're not done, GTP 101 videos. More that will be on the way next week. So uh, that was one of the things I meant to do at Daytona but ran out of time to do. So I'm hoping to uh, have that answered in video form uh, next week. Um, uh, where else should we go here? Uh, hey, Colin Collis. <laughs> there are questions um yeah from tom yeah, Schmetz got those questions and yes. sam anadiotis good old sam yeah. um you are the weekend sports cars official expert <laughs> of all things dentistry related uh yeah. uh van wall related uh floyd right my, my high school goodness. algebra teacher apparently the car is named after him or sponsored by him something like that um you are the official Mm. dentistry and collis related uh question answerer on the weekend sports car so graham goodwin uh thomas asks well i don't know why my voice is going so high but clearly there's excitement <laughs> what are the chances for van wall slash by collis at the moment because even though they lost mm-hmm. that lawsuit i mm-hmm. find a lot of things online that they still plan to go ahead with that so yeah. tell folks what's going on well, they do, do indeed plan to go ahead with it, and I believe that um, we will see that car on track at Sebring. Um, what else can I say? This isn't over, and that's it for the moment. It's not over. It's as simple as that. Hey and now, I'm, hey now, don't dream it's over. <laughs> the Graham Goodwin it, story. It, it isn't over. Um, yeah. I'll say this much: if you want to, if you want to, if you want to understand what's going on with this with this uh, matter, I could direct you to a literal nine stories that I've written on Daily Sports Car. Um, and as far as I'm aware, there is not one person that is in any way doubting any of the facts that are presented in those stories. For the rest of it, it's a bit of hashtag wait and see. Um, and I look forward to a conversation with one of the people involved in this story face-to-face when I see them. I believe you have more than sufficiently covered this <laughs> off. Uh, let's see. Daniel Summersgill. I'll take never this. Never heard of him. Yes, never heard of him, but thank you for your ser- weekly service. Graham just has a terrible memory. Uh, <laughs> do you think the Garage 56 nascar entry is pushing Mm -hmm. the boundaries of what is considered an innovative car that being the spirit behind the creation of garage 56 the very first example being certain little rml built nissan badge slash powered delta wing Uh, daniel says i get that it has headlights is much lighter but the hybrid's gone it isn't exactly the nissan ziod 
Zero emission on demand race car. Yes. A Delta wing or the vision human poop car in terms of innovation. Um, I I hear you, Daniel. Um, I I think he's awesome. I have a slightly different view. Mm. I wouldn't hang everything on the innovative car side. I fully grasp that that was what the whole premise of garage 56 was formed around. I, I have always thought of it as the doing something different entry. If yep. we think back to the Fred awesome Sose. and amazing Frederick yep. say, right? He was the innovative thing um, with obviously all of his amputations and his skill and ability yep. to drive and was and the inspire. And uh, completely and was that LMP2 car other than the hand controls, which again we've seen in a, countless other forms of sport. Was that LMP2 car truly innovative? No. But hey, Frederick was and that crane kind of thing that they made to yeah. drop them in and, and, and extract them from the car again. To me, the story of something new and different, that is where my head has tended to to go with this. So with us having been there, Graham, for the Delta Wings debut, and it was so cool, and we were so sad when it got knocked out early, but it did things that everyone, I mean, truly, there were other great things that happened that year at Le Mans, but what do most people probably remember first? That crazy-ass Delta Wing. Um, the Ziad after that and the full page ads being taken out by Don Panos, taking the piss out of Carlos Gone and Nissan for maybe uh, his, his accusation, um, uh, lifting some intellectual property. I mean, Hey, that was amusing as heck. Um, they weren't technically, in, they weren't garage 56 entries, but the 2015, Nissan GTR LM, LMP1 Nismo RLM Nismo 1 GTLM, uh, those things certainly qualified. They were very different. They weren't as competitive as a Delta Wing or Ziad or whatever else. But I just think, Daniel, yeah, if we have something that whether it's hydrogen powered or poop or just wacky tobacky type things, those are awesome. Not everything's going to break technological barriers. So the idea of this big rumbling missile, <laughs> and that's what yep. the, the Garage 56 Camaro ZL1 happens to be. It is a big, powerful, bellowing missile. It will try and go around the corners as quickly as it can. It is going to have to break earlier than the other vehicles for the chicanes, but it's just a very different toy among a bunch of really cool and amazing toys. Doesn't tick the box for we've pushed the boundaries, but to me, in the absence of a manufacturer saying, hi, we're ready with something that's going to break barriers or whatever um, and do that for 24 hours, I love the idea of NAS freaking car <laughs> coming to Le Mans uh, with, with Chad Knaus, legendary seven-time NASCAR Cup championship winning 
engineer crew chief with the driver he won all of those championships, Jimmy freaking Johnson and Jensen Button. What? Yep. Jensen yep. Button. And then the real true, like glue guy, anchor guy who is has become Graham so beloved kind of out of nowhere by folks who didn't ever know they'd meet him mike freaking rockenfeller that guy is the heart of this program yep. i mean jim france who commissioned all of it obviously i'd say he's probably you know first and foremost but i'm just saying on the ground in the shop in the testing uh, simulator it's like rocky out of all the things he's done in his career, Lamar, DTM, this he's the guy that as NASCAR, a NASCAR program could be. Here's this German dude where they're like, you're our guy. Here are the keys. Tell us how to make it better. Lead us. And he's doing that. So just all these stories, brother. I love it. I don't think we're ever going to, we're not going to have a garage 57 next year with, I don't know, a Toyota cup car or whatever, but, um, <laughs> I think this is a once in a lifetime thing. And so it's so strange. I think fans are going to love it in the same way that they loved the Delta wing, because it's just that amazing misfit toy where you go, what did my eyes just see? And also <laughs> why, why can't I hear anymore? Because <laughs> I am totally deaf. For, for me, I think it's pretty simple. Uh, we're all in a bubble, aren't we? We're in a bubble in sports car racing. You guys in uh, in IndyCar in a bubble. You know, half the planet is loving Formula One. The other half loathes it for the fact that it's in its own bubble. Congratulations, by just, the way, to uh, new world champion, uh, 2023 <laughs> world champion, Max Verstappen at Red Bull. For, for me, I just think this is a really excellent opportunity to burst a couple of those bubbles and to bring NASCAR fans a flavor of Le Mans, as it inevitably will, with the big names involved in it, and Le Mans fans a flavor of NASCAR. And how can that possibly be a bad thing, I think is the way that I'd see it. would say, by the way, you mentioned Mike Rockefeller, and something suddenly occurred to me, which is the other link between, between Mike Rockefeller and NASCAR at Le Mans which was, you'll recall in 2011, when Rocky had his absolutely monster shunt with Rob Kaufman, who was the driver that Rob Kaufman was sharing with, but Michael Waltrip. Yes. Rob Kaufman, so, also a, yeah, someone who I believe has had some investment in NASCAR, NASCAR team or two along the yep. way. But yeah. Rob, um, doesn't Rob own the, the, what, the Le Mans winning... GT40s, I think he does. Yeah, yeah, he does. He uh, he he wheels that out at uh, some vintage events. All right, mate. Why don't we uh, Why don't we do uh, a new feature on the show, which I just made <laughs> up and haven't told you about? Uh, Goodwin's choice. Pick something for us to close with, Let's and then take a quick us home. Look here. Okay. Um, let's try and find something positive. Uh, Gustavo Bomba um, mentions yet another um, hypercar after the presentation of the gorgeous Isotta Foschini Tipo 6. Uh, I can't remember the Italian again. Isotta Foschini. Delara Del Franchitti, I think, is the accurate pronunciation he came up with, but okay. Yes. 
We'll go lots of, lots of lots of Frank Kitties. We said. Um, when do we expect to see the car testing, and which drivers will have the honours? Are they expected to race this year? Well, um, I think the answer is the testing on track testing for that car is pretty well imminent. Uh, they have got, of course, this uh, partnership with Vector Sports, uh, UK based uh, LMP2 team, and the intention is for them to attempt to get the car in as a race-by-race entry later this year. I have heard tell that they're looking to aim for Monza, which is the final European race about a month after Le Mans. And that, you've got to say, MP would be the sensible pick on the basis that it's not long haul, which the remaining races of the year would be. It is in Italy, um, which, of course, Isotto Foschini is an Italian company. Um, And I hope we do see them. I think it's... It's a really brave project. Michelotto behind the car with uh, lots of other big names uh, involved with Williams um, uh, and with Sauber involved with the aero package with this car and the wind tunnel testing with the car. Um, Can't wait to see whether and how competitive this car might be. It is pretty unique amongst the boutique manufacturers of which we now have three with the Bicolis Van Wall uh, and uh, Gligenhaus, uh, that this one is a full hybrid. Um, it is a, an LMH rules car, a full hybrid. Um, so can't wait to see how that one actually turns out. Um, there is a bit of hashtag wait and see. We're going to have to be patient. Um, they are pushing on. Uh, did a launch that was very well received, I know, by the fan base and are doing a fine job of showing us the progress on this car and the next chassis that's coming along behind it. Um, so it's a bit of hashtag wait and see. Um, beyond this, MP, uh, I'll be rocking up Sebring uh, Friday morning after hopefully we can get away from a very snowy Gatwick Airport tomorrow, ahead of the prologue, uh, where I'll be on WCTV duty in terms of fact-gathering. Look out, by the way, for some changes in the product that you'll be presented with for the WEC TV. I'm saying no more than that. It's not for me to announce. But it's in some, black and white. <laughs> there's some there's some pleasant surprises to come. Um, and probably not the pleasant surprises you are wanting, but some pleasant surprises nonetheless. With, Is it all anime? Is it all anime? <laughs> That'd be amazing. Well, an anime Martin Haven. Um, we got an anime that guy. I tell you what. Yeah. Well, that sounds awesome, and yeah. uh, I won't be there for the prologue, prelogue, uh, log, log. It's big, <laughs> it's heavy, it's wood. Log, log. It's better it's than bad. Song. It's good. Singing a little bit of uh, Ren and Stimpy for you there. Uh, I won't be there for the prologue, prelogue, or any other log, but I will indeed be flying out next 2S day. Uh, we'll be in 2S night. And on the ground, Wednesday morning, uh, where I will get to see you. Yay. Uh, Stephen Kilby, I believe is the kid. Yes, yeah, Stephen Kilby. And uh, knowing that you have actual real work to do, and, mm-hmm. and I'm just there as a bit of a con artist making uh, videos uh, for interwebs, um, I hope we can intersect and do our end of day videos. Oh, yes. Uh as I've already mentioned, I have some Mo GTP 101s to poop out. 
and we're going to be trying to do some other interesting date new and more daily videos as well just mm-hmm. starting to come up with a list of, of a few of those items so um can't truly wait because it has been 2019 wow. since my last sebring visit when you and i uh, lost our hearing again i believe um <laughs> in that amphitheater of reverberation but i'm told uh that it was significantly better last year yeah yes. been moved to the gallery of champions i even got an invite to a kind of sort of secret photographers enclave that's uh, on the property so i can't tell you about it but um so i might be there but i might be over i don't know what i'm gonna do but i can tell you this we are going to be there i okay. hope y'all will be there i will bring more stickers hopefully i don't know if, i don't know if you have any stickers left but we did yeah, like- get- we didn't give out a ton at Daytona because, I don't know, we suck. But um, <laughs> we will see more people for sure. Hit us up. Tell us Please to give do. you I, things. I, when I'm not on TV juicy, I will be wearing the TorontoMotorsports.com um, Weekend Sports Cars uh, Tune t-shirt. So you'll spot me. I'll be the um, short, fat English bloke uh, with a pocket full of stickers. So please do ask, and I will provide and I'll uh, be the, sounds a bit like Gloria Gaynor, but yeah, it's not. I'll be the taller, fat American guy. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be wearing my uh, Twisk Tune shirt, but I just might. Um, and then Graham has also told me uh, offline that if you come across him and mm-hmm. ask for stickers or whatever else we might have to offer, and he doesn't have any of those with you, he'll give you a $20 bill. So it's pretty cool. Uh, whatever it is, if you see Graham, you are leaving with whether it's cash money or a sticker. (laughs) I just made that up too. So I'm looking forward to that. And hopefully we'll get a live, uh, twist or twist with the two of us in the same room again. That's always a, always a pleasure. So there will be a call for questions during, uh, Sebring weeks. Watch out for that. It's time to say goodnight because I've got to go finish my packing and uh, at least get 10 minutes with my good lady wife before I leave uh, the UK for better part two weeks. Uh, thanks as always, Daniel Summersgill, for putting these questions together. And apologies if we didn't quite get to the one you've uh, got here. There'll be a plenty of time to add them, uh, add them again. Thanks to all of you for sending in dozens and dozens of questions once again, uh, with very short notice. Thanks to you, Marshall Pruitt, for giving your time. It's great to have you back, uh, more or less back up to speed. I'm sure we'll knock the rough edges off you over the next 10 days or so in uh, in Sebring. Thanks, of course, to our backers at Cooper Tires, to the Justice Brothers and to TorontoMotorsports.com. I've been Graham Goodwin. He's been Marshall Pruitt. This is the Week in Sports Cars, part of the Marshall Pruitt podcast series. We will see you at Sebring next week.